you know, what do you do with the diet? Oh, this, and then you'll give them a diet which will be higher in carbohydrates. And go, oh, I don't want carbs because I'm going to store it as fat. And then, but that doesn't happen. But it doesn't happen because just your body is just a, a medium for energy transfer. So you can get, so you have protein, carbs, and fats, which are three major macronutrients. Those three macros make up calories, and your body is just conducting, you know, is a medium for calories in, calories out. So you're in. The following is a conversation with Ryan Wilson. Ryan and I have been mates since we were probably 12 years old, I think. Uh, Ryan is a body transformation coach, and on the podcast we discuss uh, a bit of MMA, uh, performance-enhancing drugs in professional sports, and Ryan's method of training his clients. If you like this conversation, review it with five stars on Apple Podcasts, follow on Spotify, or follow me on Instagram at Recorded Time Podcast. I hope you enjoy the episode. Show me the Vittori video. Yeah. Mm. Get the mic in closer and closer because I want to hear the scream. <laughs> this is. How's that? What the fuck was that? It's just testosterone personified. How are you, mate? Good, mate. How are you? Good. Good. So, um, I'm guessing you watched the UFC then? Yep. Yeah. So, what do you think of the fight? The Ninganu fight? Mm. He's too big. I reckon, I don't reckon there's anyone that's going to be able to take him or has a skill set that can at least get in opposition to beat him. But is he too big that he can't maybe go five rounds? I don't know. Like the last fight you saw, like when he scrambled mm. and then. So Stipe looked pretty gassed just from like that one effort trying mm. to like take him down. So I don't know. It's going to be good to watch though. Like mm. him versus Lewis, he's going to outlast Lewis with oh, aer- aerobically at least. So yeah. yeah. Do you reckon, so do you reckon he just did wrestling every day between the first Mijic fight and the second one? Yeah, I reckon you would. Like in heaps of conditioning as well because he gassed out in that first fight mm. and then... Still lasted five rounds though. Still lasted five rounds. Which I, like, I was surprised by. Yeah, but those back two rounds like... They'd just be the worst feeling, like mm. that drowning feeling. So, does yeah. um does Stepe get an immediate rematch, or should he get an immediate rematch? I reckon it should be. I would give it to like Lewis because I've had the closest fight at least, and then give it to Stepe. Let Stepe recover and like train a bit more, and because that was the lightest Stepe's been for any title fight. So then, if you look at like his early fights, he was like. Two, th- oh, 240, high two yeah, high, yeah two high 230s, maybe like low 240s. Um, but I reckon he has to be th- that heavy. Like it didn't work. It obviously worked in his favor against DC, but mm-hmm. I don't think it'll work for someone like Ningano. Do you think Stipe is maybe thinking of retiring though? 
Yeah, it sounded like it, don't you reckon? What did he say after the fight? He's, uh, he so, put that post up and he's like, um, basically like, I know that didn't look good, um, but I was unconscious it happens. And then he said, basically, I just want to like welcome my new son into the world or new kid into the world and just then see what happens. When he said didn't look good as in like him on the ground, knocked yeah. out, didn't look good. The way his leg like folded back underneath him. Mm-hmm. And then he's like, yeah, he's just like. I he's got some big on. kids in his career. Yeah, he's got a steel chin. Mm, not against DC, though. That would rattle you. Mm. Do you reckon it changes you massively as a fighter after you cop a knockout like that? I don't know. Like, I I could only speak. Well, I had that knockout in year nine. What happened again? I remember that. I got, like, basically tackled as I, like, threw that rugby ball and then head basically pummeled into the ground. I was out for, like, four and a half minutes, I think. And Fuck. then I had a seizure. Four and a half minutes? Yeah, had a seizure. And then I had to go get all those scans and then obviously nothing wrong. But they were, like... It's bad knockout. They're Jesus like, you don't need Christ. more of them. But was Karen there? I feel like you rattled for days after it. Yeah, she was. There. She would have been freaking out. Yeah, apparently, like, yeah, my boy, crying. my boy. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't even remember anything from that. Like, just waking up in the ambulance. Fuck. Yeah, that'd be so scary. And it was like thirty minutes till an ambulance got there. I was talking to um jumps. When on the mm. podcast a few weeks ago, asked him the same question: like, "Have you ever been knocked out?" Yeah, and him and Massey apparently put on the boxing gloves down in Phillip Island once, and Massey knocked him clean. Really? Out. Yeah. What? Like they partying or just yeah, yeah, not, yeah, not yeah, actual yeah, beef, yeah. just uh, just toxic sexual. masculinity, mate. To- toxic uh, masculinity. Yeah, I've had. Well, I've had that one. I had uh, one at Muay Thai, and then for definitely had a concussion outside that. So mm. no more head knocks. What's your other biggest injury you've ever had? Other oh, biggest injury, probably my hand when I ran through I ran through a glass door. Vince shut it on me. Oh right, yeah, when we were like ten or something, and then it's like sliced open. I just remember looking at it, and I had to get like twenty five stitches or something. Uh, yeah, you? Yeah. Um, nothing, mate. I get like lots of little ones, lots mm. of little ones from jujitsu. Mm. Um, I cracked. I actually never got it checked out, but mm. I got. I was rolling with Oscar's brother, Sam. Yep. And he was in my close full guard. And then just as I was trying to trying to sit up and he was trying to push me down, like my top rib, I literally saw it out of the corner of my eye, like popped and like moved. Mm. And I was in agony. Like, yeah. App, it was killing butt. Uh, that sounds like a sublux. Like where it's like basically like dislocates and really like basically goes back in really quickly. Well, it was like a client do it on a leg press. It's still on like a weird angle. Like if you like compare those two there, that one's like sticking out more. Yeah. Yeah. Apparently it was, I looked it up and it was something to do with like the, is it cut like the cartilage in between the bones like can slip and then the other, the other rib, like one of the ribs can slip down because the cartilage breaks or something in between. I don't know that detail, but I know you can have like that um, sort of like the connective tissue between the ribs you can get like. Grief mm. from there, yeah. Mm. But my client did it on a leg press. I was like, that was random. Like, you don't think did they people, rib? Yeah, sublux their rib. The compression between their like quad and their rib cage. It's like a pressure thing, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And they basically just like sat into it. Grim. Right. Mm. What other fights did you like from the weekend? Who else fought? I like the Woodley fight because at least he's mm. like going on the offensive. Mate, I felt so bad. But for he's him. just got a bad run. Like Vincent Lacou, well, plus um. He like the, if you look at the guys he fought, Usman, uh, was it Colby? Usman Burns, Colby, yeah, Luke Usman, yeah, yeah. like they're all like top caliber fighters, killers. Yeah, so it's like, I don't know, I probably wouldn't let him go just yet. 
Because he hasn't had a good chance to gatekeep yet. I saw Dana, though, in the post-fight press yeah. conference was saying, you're 38 years old, you've lost four in a row, what yeah. do you do? I was like, fuck. And Dana doesn't like him because he was, like, speaking out against him. That was him. weird. When yeah. Was, like, when Woodley was claiming the whole racism thing. Yeah. It's a weird card to play, especially if you're a champion. Like, Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And there's plenty of other, you know, yeah. black champions as well who have had perfectly good relationships with Dana. Exactly. There's more black champions than white ones. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Uh, at least. Jones and Stipe, what are your thoughts? Jones and Stipe. Oh, that would be a good fight. Like if Sorry, not Jones and Stipe, Jones and Ngannou. Ngannou. I'd like to see, like, if they were to make an interim fight, Jones and Stipe and then Lewis versus Ngannou. Like, Jones isn't going to do an interim. He's not going to do that, yeah. yeah. But I think Jones versus Ngannou, did you say? Yeah. Yeah. I reckon Ngannou wins. That's, he's t- too much body weight. Like, if Ngannou, if Jones is 230 and is like... But then again, Jones has never lost. 20. Yeah. But he didn't look good in his last two, so... He's been winning on points heaps. Yeah. Mate, that's such a... Like, I'm sorry, but I think he's... Everyone knows he used to be on steroids, and everyone yeah. knows now it's a bit too red hot for him to be on steroids. Yeah. And he goes from literally, like, fighting Shogun, like, flying knee, like, just yes. an absolute destroyer, and now he's winning on points. It's like, I think the, the variable's the steroids. And it's a bad, it's a bad time frame to do it in as well because he, considering he's only three, so he should be like getting into his prime, not heading mm, away exactly. from it. And then, yeah, I reckon it's like that same facial change, like whatever Israel did before his title fight, where he had the gyno. Mm. Like you can see the what facial did he do change. Again? What did he uh, came to the? I can't remember who he was fighting. Whether it was, it wasn't. Uh, it was Costa, Costa. Costa, yeah. yeah. And he had the huge gynecomastia, which is like the buildup of fatty tissue caused by most commonly caused by like hormonal fluctuations. Mm-hmm. So you see it in people like use gear. Um, but wait, build up of fatty tissue where? Oh, like in your his, chest. Yeah. yeah. So it's people like calling you, out his man boobs. Right. And it's only on one side. So there's an asymmetry. Plus if you have like that sort of hormonal imbalance it has to come from somewhere. And if you're a regular weed smoker, cause you can get it from smoking weed. Actually. Yeah. So like it's really yeah, man boobs from smoking weed. Yeah. Yeah. So you can get like, like marijuana induced gynecomastia. But if you, cause he's, said he smoked weed his whole life. So it's not like it's going to randomly appear to that degree off something like that. So it's going to come from somewhere else. Like you don't, it's, it's a buildup of actual glandular tissue. So, so it can't come randomly. So you reckon he might be on the roids? Definitely on the roids last fight against Costa, hundred percent. And you can see, if you really? look at a photo of, but he doesn't look, he, he looks, I mean, I know it's not all just how the person looks, but he looks live and he doesn't look necessarily jacked. In the same yeah. Way. But like there's, that's like saying Lance Armstrong doesn't look jacked, but he's still on pets. Yeah, true. That's a good point. And like the pets he's on are like still anabolic in nature. Like, uh, like some of them, obviously he's doing blood doping, APO or whatever. But if you look at, I think the most interesting thing is if you look at comparison between Adesanya's face, mm. between the fight he had previous with Whitaker and the Costa fight. And if you look at Jones early on in his career, look at the comparison between that last fight against Costa and Jones early on in the career. You can see the changes in like the brown. But couldn't you, couldn't you say though, I mean, Jones was champion at what, 22, 23. Yeah. So couldn't you say that he was still just growing potentially? With and what? The, well, his, in the facial? Sense of his, his face changed. Yeah. And like, but it's like that hard look. It's like, yeah. I remember when you told me um, about Brad Pitt in Troy. How yeah. It was like, and it's so true. Like you see his, his face and it's just like a chiseled rock and you're like, that steroids, 100%. Yeah. If you see enough people in gear, you can not, like, obviously not everyone, but you can generally have a better radar for seeing and going like, oh, okay, that guy looks like he's probably. Are you for or against steroids in, in mixed martial arts? Not in tested. 
divisioned, but like in jujitsu, for example, untested four. Yeah. Why? What's the difference between if? So you're saying that if they, if they say no steroids is allowed, they shouldn't be doing it. That's, yes. That's really yeah, yeah. Because then you are by definition cheating. But if in jujitsu where it is allowed, then you're putting yourself at a disadvantage by not doing it. Mm. But yeah. I, I, I kind of think if. Getting away with it is the mm. same as not doing it. If yeah. that makes sense. I mean, I know it's not, but you're all in. You're all playing the same game. Yeah. And you're all running the same risk. It's almost mm. I respect the risk you're taking in doing it. Yeah. For, for greatness, but if you get caught, I'm like I'm all for the suspension, whether yeah. it's one year, two years. But do you think less of TJ Dillashaw because he's got <sighs> caught steroid cheat and so many of those wins? It was so obvious he was on roids the whole time. I thought. Yeah. Like you saw when he beat Cody and he's just in his face, like, yeah, like screaming at him. I was just like, but even like Vittori and Garner, like, who do you think, who do you think is top of the food chain? Who's <laughs> not on steroids? What physique wise? Uh, no, no. Top of the food chain is in like top, top three contender in any weight division. Who's not on steroids. Do you think Holloway is? No, no, Holloway is oh, definitely not. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. And I definitely reckon, I don't think Ninganu, I think Ninganu was probably on gear early in his career when he was like fighting in France. You look at those videos, he's jacked. Yeah. But like probably not now. Like I don't think. It's not worth the now. risk. Well, yeah. And he's also training at the UFC Performance Institute. So it's like <laughs> they're going to be doing your blood work. So they're going to see. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know. What difference Stocky. do you reckon roids make? If like percentage wise, if I'm. Oh, massive. Do you reckon it's a difference between being like top, like ranked 10th and being champion or do you think it's the difference between being yeah. ranked fourth and being champion do you know what i mean it's like, yeah i don't know could, could tj be champion again without roids oh I, I think in less skill dominating sports it's probably less and more of an advantage so like cycling tour de france like obviously i don't know how the level of technicality that cycling is but it doesn't appear to be a highly technical <laughs> sport technical. like you're just cycling a bike so um, I think it would have more of an advantage than that. So I, I don't know. I reckon it could be the difference between like fifth and champion. Mm. Yeah. Everyone's talking about the bantamweight division at the moment, but no one seems to be talking about Cody or TJ. And I reckon there it's going to be by the end of the year, it'll be them for the bantamweight belt. Cody and Cody Garbrandt. Yeah. That'd be a good fight. Yeah. If Cody can get like one more win, maybe he's got the quickest hands. Cause he got that at Sunco. Was it a Sunco? Sunsail. A Sunsail or whatever. Yeah. Was that his last fight? Yeah. I think that was the one where he like lent back right at the end of the round yeah. and then he, he, he dipped and then. Yeah. Uh, you've been watching the boxing at all? No. Nah, just the Jake Paul, Ben Askren Fuck. press conference. What do you think of that? Embarrassing. Yeah. Much more of a fan of Askren now. Mm. Yeah. I wasn't, I wasn't beforehand, but uh, Jake Paul's being such a gimp. That's just. Yeah. A stunted person, yeah, and that was not classy getting Masvidal up on the it's weird. I was like, there's a difference between getting in someone's head and being a good promoter like a McGregor, yep, because obviously, like Jake Paul thinks he's doing that, yep, but for some reason, there's a difference. It's like there's there's something about how he was doing it that was just so much more pathetic and yeah, insecure, yeah, yeah, exactly, a lot more insecure. I was watching this body image breakdown of him like massaging his leg. And he's like talking. Jake Paul. Yeah. Why just nervous as fuck? Yeah. Just as like a real, like you don't believe it sort of thing. Like you're sort uh, of like comforting yourself. Like you're going to choke. You're going to choke. Yeah. Yeah. Like a little twitch. Mm. Give away. I don't, do you reckon you could ever do a professional fight in front of like 10,000 nah, people? Nah. The nerves would be fucked. The nerves would be insane. Oh. Yeah. I don't know how they do it. 
I just feel like it's not something you do for fun. <laughs> I'm surprised. I'm surprised more people don't pull out the day of the fight. Like someone just doesn't get abs- get nappies. Like yeah, yeah, like an hour before a fight, fake an injury. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Although that probably happens a lot with the fake injuries. Yeah, not a lot, but well, even Jones, you can see he's kind of like positioning, in my opinion, to get out of the Ngannou fight. It's just Mate, he's been offered ten million dollars yeah. and he's saying I want more money. Yeah, and he's like he just wants to change the goalpost. Like, mm. yeah. Either way. So mm. what are you doing at the moment for? Like work-wise? Or? Yeah, work-wise. Yeah, work-wise. Um, so I've just obviously moved to this new gym, Three Point. So kind of building the PT out of there, which is good. So What's I'm, it called? Three Point? Three Point Training is the name of the gym. And so I'm. it's in Port Melbourne. So I'm doing, at the moment, basically I rent a space out of there. Um, and I'm PTing Monday to Saturday, 6 a.m., 5.30 a.m. till about 12.45 back to back which is good and then the rest of the day um i've got like online clients so post covid pre-covid sorry i got to a point where i was coaching a lot of people online and they probably got too much how do you how do you do it online like via zoom or just sending them programs or yeah so it's like basically a holistic look at the week so you've got a tracker that tracks all the main metrics that change your body mm-hmm. then you basically give them what they need to hit for those so areas so nutrition, programming, obviously like sleep, stress, if they're major factors that are limiting someone's ability to perform. Um, and then weekly, you look at the data, you go, what's the average rate of weight gain, weight loss? You look at their progress photos and you basically look at, are they progressing at the rate that both of you have agreed upon is best for them? What's the metric want? for progression there? Uh, in terms of- Aesthetics, strength. Yeah. Well, it depends everything. on the person. Most of the, most of my clients now, it's um, physique progression. So it's just like, and most of my clients are everyday people now. So for most people, it's about either weight loss or weight gain, kind of an even split between both. And, and so it's about fitting the training side of things into their life in a way that's manageable for everyday person. Because they're not trying to train like an athlete. Do, yeah. you, have, do you have any performance specific- uh, clients though, where someone is someone training is a professional an athlete or they're training for an event, and uh, you need to get them like much better at their swing or yeah. In the past, I have I've had you know like one of the guys that I used to coach nutritionally did his weight cut for a fight. He's now in one championship, um, and then like powerlifters, I've got probably three or four powerlifters at the moment, two or three physique based. Are you coaching Nudgy? No, no, no. no. I've seen so him. he's I've done seen... Olympic lifting. Yeah, big lifting. Big, yeah. Right. So I got got a bit of a mix, but in terms of athletes, no one like extremely serious at the moment, which is good. Is that what you want though? Is... Yes. Yeah. yeah, I don't want to do. I've kind of had that taste of doing people who are in recreational like, training. Yeah, PTing, yeah, or like wanting to pursue like becoming an athlete or something. But just for me, I think it's much more rewarding for an everyday person. Yeah. So, so what would your dream be like the strength and conditioning coach of like the rebels or no, nah, nah. just doing what I'm doing now. Yeah. But so, if you were, but if you were going to go towards a more performance specific, oh, yeah. what, what would, what would your dream job be or dream position be? Probably what the fight dietitian's doing at the moment with city kickboxing, a lot of camps he did. Um, I've got one other camp, but he does, he does from a nutritional point of view, he does the UFC for all of the New Zealand guys, Australian guys, he's starting to do a bit more European guys or like someone like Daru Strong who is doing like Dustin Poirier's like strength conditioning stunt work with like a lot of UFC fighters. So probably like just because of what we're interested in, mm. probably down that route versus like a high performance institute for a 40 team. Or- It'd be a bit more, 
I imagine training a mixed martial arts fighter is a bit more interesting just because there's way more facets to, to it than mm. uh, other, other sports. Definitely. I think it'd be more rewarding because it's more relational. It's just one person you're looking after. And it'd be satisfying seeing a guy that you train get a win. Yeah, massively. Especially if they won under a circumstance that you would have contributed to. Mm. Like they're starting to gas out on a fifth round and then you see them lift to another level. Like yeah. Holloway when Holloway went super saiyan. Yeah. Like, you know, like they have that endurance. That was like, crazy. I held that. Yeah. yeah. And um, who was he fighting again? Um, Kader. Kader. Kel- yeah. Calvin Kader. He's, Calvin Cater is meant to have hands on him as well. Exactly, yeah. And Max just rinsed him. And just absolutely towed him up. What do you think of Poirier McGregor 3? Like, it's an interesting watch, but I just can't see how that much will change. You think McGregor loses again? Yeah. Especially because he's living out in Dubai. He's living out there? Yeah, like he hasn't left there. Like he hasn't gone back to Ireland. But is, he, is that because the next fight will be in Dubai? I don't know, but I just know he's out there training. I'm like, if you're training away from home, obviously, I don't know. But, like, I feel like it'd be hard to make those big performance adjustments. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just such, it's so sad with McGregor because it's just such a good example of, like, the money yeah. changing you. Yeah. Or addiction or sport where you, um, like, can't, like, let it go. Didn't change Floyd, though. No. Floyd Mayweather. But he's still winning. Uh, isn't he fighting someone soon? Jake. Uh, not Jake. Logan Paul. Yeah, Logan Paul. But didn't brother. they, they couldn't sell enough pay-per-view tickets for it so they had to postpone it or something. Delay it, yeah. That's, which is never a good sign. That's grim as. Yeah. I think well, Floyd could sell it anyway. Well, Jake, when's Jake fighting? April 17, I think, or something like that. It's a similar time as the Whitaker fight. Do you reckon he has, so you reckon Askren will beat uh, Jake Paul? I have no idea. It's yeah. weird. Cause it's, it's a weird fight. The weird thing about the whole dynamic is Askren... When Jake Paul's being a smartass, I was like, mate, Askren will beat the shit out of you in an all fight. Exactly, yeah. But it's like under certain rule sets, okay, you might win, but. Yeah. I just wonder how much. It'd be good to see. I reckon it'd be just cool to see, like, if you're a professional fighter, how different is it? Like, in terms of, like, toughness, in terms of skill set, in terms of, like, fight IQ. Like, does he get in there and, like, even though he might not be as good a boxer, do you look at it and just go, he's so calm under the storm? Like, he just. And then he just beats him down to a point where he hasn't gone to that. Uh, well, I saw I saw Dana White on Mike Tyson's podcast, and he put he bet a million dollars, yeah, a million bucks that Ben Askren would win, which yeah. is obviously nothing to Dana. But Zab Judah, who's been training mm. um, Jake Paul a bit, was like was telling Dana, he's like he's he's got hands on him. So like pe- like people who are in the know are saying that he's good, but mm. then again, maybe you're just saying that for promotion. And if you get an employer by him, you probably would say that too. Yeah, he's yeah. paying your bill. Yeah, yeah exactly. So what else is new? What are you reading at the moment? Uh, I was just about to start Ian McGraw Chris um, book, The Master and His Emissary. The what? The-, the Master and His Emissary. What's it about? It's basically his work over twenty years. Um, looking at, I haven't looked in too much into it, but like left and right hemisphere divisions and how that affects your worldview and decision making. Um, he was on the Sam Harris podcast, so I was listening to him on that, and then the book's actually huge and like. Always. So it's about what the different sides of your brain do and yeah. how you can what optimize either side or Yeah, and like the yeah, the roles they play in your life and just like a bit of an interesting dive into like his research over the course of twenty years. I looked into I went, do you use Goodreads? Like that website? No, nah, so, nah, I don't. Is that is that the one where it like gives you a synopsis of the whole thing or not? Yeah, it's basically like a book review website. Right. But it had a lot of like positive things 
like that's what I look at now if I'm going to like look into a book mm. um, just get like a general gist of probably its credibility but it looked like it has a heap of support for it and I just finished the Naval Ravikant book what, what's um, his book? Uh, I've, only ever, I've only ever seen him interviewed I don't know what it's called it's basically the culmination of all of his work like in terms of because he's a angel investor so but he's what um, is an angel investor just for the listeners? Uh, like he invests in like entrepreneurial startups and makes money off that. But he came from a really poor part of India and he's obviously extremely rich now. Um, but he appeared on all these podcasts, our own podcasts and just gave information about, it's called the Almanac of Naval Ravikant. But he basically gave all this information about um, wealth and happiness. Probably like, it's a self-help book essentially, mm. but it's in the hardest probably domain of, books to get good reviews on and if you look at his podcast if you look at his podcast got like seven million views or something with joe rogan um and the book reviews they're so high there's like four thousand four and a half star and people just froth it yeah and it's really good it's like not useless information it's use really useful information and it's about like modern business as well he's an interesting guy as well because doesn't he he will won't read a book to completion. He'll just read what he thinks is necessary and then yep. straight away move. He doesn't get he, – he describes it as, you know, just feeding your ego to say that you could finish a book. And exactly, like, What's yeah. the point of doing that? And he talks about, like, finding ideas. But, like – Do you agree with that, though? Uh, I think it might work if you're extremely intelligent like he is. But I think for most people, you need the coherence of, like, an entire book. Yeah. There's a reason why there's whole books. And you want to do justice to the person's book and get the whole – Exactly, yeah. Argument. It's like – well, it's the same sort of arguments. People that – like I've got nothing against audiobooks, but it's like much harder to absorb, I think, the intricacies without mm. reading them. Um, There's probably something like the fact that your your brain, I mean, we listen subconsciously, whereas mm. your brain, you have to consciously read. You actually have to, you're actually using a skill to understand what you're reading and that probably ingrains it in your brain better. Exactly. Than just listening to it. Yeah, and I found like the method that I do with my reading at least that have helped me is like that highlighting and then using sticky note highlighting, then using sticky notes to basically capture the important information of that page in your own words. I found that that's kind of like you read, which obviously takes a longer period of time, then you're highlighting. So you're just being mindful with it. Then you have to rewrite it. It's like almost like a three-step process. It takes three times the length, but at least you- So you'll read it one time through normally. I'll read, highlight, and capture like the little post-it note. Mm. But if I read through a whole page and I'm like, okay, that was that point made a lot of, like resonated, then I'll write on that. But I find I found that like at least for me personally, listening to audio books, I really zone out. Same. Whereas that one, I'm like, this method, I kind of find that I read a book and then after the book, I'm, I feel like I've got a fair bit more yeah. recall. Yeah. Have you always read a lot? Uh, I read more when I was younger. Vince read a lot. I read a little bit when I was like a kid and then straight after school when I got the job at RBT and I saw Ben, Ben had like a huge, who was the guy that got me the job at RBT. He had a massive bookshelf and he was doing really well for himself like, uh, and had a lot of knowledge. So I kind of, I just remember internalizing, like I need to read to be able to get better at what I was doing at the moment, especially with fitness. Academia and fitness training isn't sort of naturally seen as two peas mm. in a pod yeah they? but it's like it's like there's no reason why they shouldn't be well i think as well like uh you don't, phys- you don't get me juice heads uh, <laughs> yeah. you know, reading the well, yeah exactly and physique changes multifaceted for one 
And two, it's an emerging science. Like it's almost its own discipline. So you have like sports science with high performance athletes. You've got, um, you know, nutrition from like nutrition specific goals, but you have physique development specific for someone that is trying to improve their body. And that's almost its own discipline. And so that's itself. quite a new thing. Yeah. Because like, if you look at like the obesity problem, for example, that's a new thing. And obviously there are obesity specialists, but there aren't really those gray area specialists. So people that are a little bit overweight that, you know, so what, their life quality would be improved if they could lose a bit of weight. So what defines the way you train people is you're just much more specific to the individual. Yeah. So there's a, there's a, and a lot of people don't realize this, but there's a big difference between a PT and a coach. So a PT is basically someone that will take you through a 45 minute session at a gym. They'll show you correct technique. They'll go, you know, this is how you do this. They'll push you and you'll leave there going, oh, that was a good training session. But a coach, what they'll do is they'll look at your week as a whole. They'll take your goals. They'll take into account your environment, whether you're a mother with two kids, all these sort of relevant factors. They'll look at the sort of different factors that change physique. So dimensions that change physique, like sleep, stress, nutrition. Exhaustion, no time to exactly. cook dinner or things like that. And then essentially what coaching is, is developing a plan to get them to their goal, but then week to week pro- problem solving. So because the whole process of physique change is a dynamic process, it's about adapting to the current environment. So when someone does have an issue, it's not like throw your hands up, up, oh, this isn't working. Because So usually if you've got a PT, they've got the same training session every every time you meet up with them, right. which isn't conducive to changing of circumstances, but a coach is. Exactly. And it's also like if you speak to a PT, they'll train you in the session. It'll be a really good session, but don't speak to them outside that PT. It's like going to see a dentist. You don't text a dentist when you have like mm. a day where you don't brush your teeth. But with a coach, that's the inherent strength of it. It's If you run into a problem, like I would have spoken to probably like 10 to 15 clients today, just have um, had little hiccups in exactly like, how they have to adjust their, their regime. Yeah. Had like, as an example, I'm not going to say who it is, but a client this morning texted me a photo. I found this photo of myself 13 years ago. I look like a different person. You know, um, I look terrible now. Like, you know, what, what are we doing? Like, you know, that sort of negative internal dialogue. And then if you're a coach, you can look at it and go, one, you've got to apply like a realistic filter to it because you're objectively looking at it and you're going, well, you know, I can clearly tell it's the same person. But you're not, you're not just going to cushion their ego and be like, oh no, it's fine. Like it's like, all right, you want to, you want to transform, let's Ex- do it, but you, don't stress about it. Exactly. Or even like, so like what I did with this client was reframe it. So let's, let's not make the goal like weight loss. Let's make the goal to be leaner than you were in this photo. So it's just about like, you know, well, saying that problem solving. Yeah. Is there a name given to that type of coaching? Not yet. It's like physique. You need to come coaching. up with one. Yeah. Is so. it other? Surely you know other people who take a similar approach, though. Yeah. Yeah. So I like I'd call it a body transformation specialist, but for lack of a better term, has that been taken? No, because it's all it's all sort of like you've got physique based coaching, but physique based coaching is associated with competitors, so people that want to compete in physique based sport, but mm. or for hobbies, whatever. It's probably not a sport. Yeah. Yeah, but I think. I think it's a valuable university course or like eventually. Yeah. Also, we were saying before the podcast, it's like so many uni degrees are pointless these days. So it's mm. like, why not put something that actually has value in? Yeah. And there's lots like of short that. courses that are like aiming to give you a holistic knowledge of it. Yeah. But well, I've, said, I've said this yeah. to you before, but it's like what I find so interesting about uh, your approach to training and coaching and stuff is that you uh, treat yourself like almost like an academic or a scholar of training. You know, you're not just like a mindless gym junkie. You thoroughly research 
um, all your ideas and all your approaches and uh, yeah you've got as much dedication to it uh, in your mind outside the gym as you do yeah. in the gym I think as well the the reinforcing factor behind all of that sort of academic approach to it is the time uh, the time of implementation like the time that you read it to implementing it to seeing a difference is so short so what do you mean so for example like as just an example like let's say I had a client that had binge eating tendencies let's say I hadn't read much about binge eating and I decided to recommend them intermittent fasting let's say I read a book about specifically about binge eating and what I find out is you know intermittent fasting is one of the most harmful things you can do for someone with binge eating disorder not that obviously this is an example you wouldn't be working you'd but be if working, you had read something that said exactly that, yeah. you'd be working in conjunction with a professional in the area to help them with binge eating disorder but if you read it and you had that information then you you can make a better decision in that moment that can have a massive effect on someone's life and if you say okay so they might say, oh, I want to intermittent fast. And you go, well, you know, this might not be a good reason because X, Y, Z. In fact, let's schedule regular eating times. And then within the space of two weeks, they go, I'm noticing I have less tendencies to binge. Then that's a huge win. Like you've made a big difference in someone's life. Because you're almost study, you're not in an unhealthy way, but you almost treat them as like as a guinea pig for it. Like let's see what works and let's trial and error. Right, and, um, by hijacking what someone else has done that found what works. So it's, so it's a much more personal individual approach to training. Yes. Is your industry just full of misinformation though about diet and low Yeah, it's everywhere. It's so bad. It's What's the worst one? What's the, wor- what's the worst when you, you're talking to someone and they're telling you about like a new regime or a new diet they're on? What's the worst one that you hear the most? Worst one that I hear the most is... You don't hear it that much anymore, but the carbs make you fat. So like carb avoidance. Um, so, wait, so carbs, so give me the rundown on carbs because I'm as ignorant as yeah, the so guy who like, be promoting them. Basically someone will, someone will say like, you know, you know, I, you know, what do you do with the diet? Oh, this. And then you'll give them a diet, which will be higher in carbohydrates and go, oh, I don't want carbs because I'm going to store it as fat. And then. But that doesn't happen. But it doesn't happen because just your body is just a. Uh, a medium for energy transfer so you can get so you have protein carbs and fats which are three major macronutrients those three macros make up calories and your body is just conducting you know is a medium for calories in calories out so you're ingesting food in the form of calories which contain to differing degrees protein carbs and fat as macronutrients and then you're expending energy through exercise and just living and bodily functions but when you intake of food your body doesn't go okay this is carbs better store that as fat it's going to take it in and go this has four calories per gram of carbohydrate you know it might be used more easily for energy but it's there's no sort of specific demonish quality to the actual carbohydrate yeah yeah most people have an avoidance to like carbs Mm. yeah so so something like that's pretty damaging weight training making females bulky I always say to any new client that I have that's like, oh, I don't want to get too bulky, especially if they're female. I'm like, well, if you get too bulky, you need to coach me because I've been trying for like 12 years. So mm. if you get bulky, let me know. What's a, a diet for someone? Because I reckon there's a lot of people who, like me, for example, mm. who either don't have the time or are just too lazy to actually dedicate themselves to a body transformation or any of that yep. kind of stuff. What's just a good general diet that you'd recommend to someone who actually wants to enjoy their food 
Uh, stay yep. healthy, exercises probably two or three times a week, but nothing overly serious. Yeah, definitely. Well, that's like the first good point. You want to determine what their energy requirements are. Like how much are they burning? You know, it's a big difference between someone like even doing a job like PT. I'll do 12,000 steps before midday. That's going to drastically increase my energy requirements compared to someone working from home. Um, but if you've just got a standard person, you know, then if you're looking at like recommendations, you know, a diet that's high in, you know, plants that you eat a little bit of meat with, that you enjoy carbohydrates, meals out, and that you can regulate your body within a certain range. I think that's the most important thing. A lot of people have a goal body weight, but really what people should have is goal body weight range. And that range is a range where they're psychologically comfortable at and also physically healthy at. So if you're, let's say, a 60 kilo female, you don't want your goal body weight to be 60 because the second you deviate from 60, the world's crashing. Everything, you know, it's time to burn everything Just down. Just based on this abstract thought. Exactly. Of, well, not abstract, but yeah. So you might have like, you know, and man, Olympia, one of my clients, we're working on it. Like we've been working on this, but it's like you might fluctuate between 58 to 65 kilos and that's your comfortable range. And when you start to, so she, she's just eating intuitively or mindfully not intuitively but you reassess mindfully. once she goes below 58 or above 65 right yeah and she's eating just based on her enjoyment also to feed herself healthily eat a lot of like veggies plants um but the second she gets above 65 then she goes okay sweet you know i can correct things because that's what i want to do and then get back to let's say 60 kilos or so that you can then enjoy yourself the way you were before exactly and that i think that's the best way to maximize enjoyment and within that tracking is just a tool to give you give a person a point of reference so a lot of people some people argue there's a big movement arguing against tracking but it's just a tool so the second you assign you know moral virtuosity to that tracking tool like i'm a good person or a bad person based on what i track Mm. That's when you're in the problems. But if you're using the tool to realize that, you know what, green olives contain a high degree of fat and that allows you to make small lifestyle adjustments to allow you to enjoy more food that you enjoy, but in like make informed decisions about it, you're probably better off. Yeah. There must be a correlation between the rates of depression in society at the moment and the gym culture that's been growing as well in the mm. sense that people more and more are using their looks or their strength or how often they exercise as a barometer for their happiness yeah. than they previously have in history. I mean, I'm sure in the 1950s you can give a fuck what you look like. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? But, well, definitely, I think. So I like, but it's interesting that you're very aware of keeping your clients mentally stable and, and happy regardless. Right, yeah. Even though you're there to, your focus is on their physique. Definitely, yeah. I think it's important as well because, you know, like what makes a successful life, the good thing about it is people choose their own avenues of success. But the second you assign a moral superiority to your avenue, like for instance, myself, I'm more likely to bias healthy physique or a muscular physique as being morally superior to someone that's, let's say, pursuing politics as their career. But if you don't have the self-awareness to understand that you're just biasing that because that's the avenue that you've chosen to define in your hierarchy as a successful life. Then. It's the worst when you see you know, your typical gym junkie walking around yeah. just with an ego and you're just like, it's all, all he's basing hard work and dedication on is how much you can lift in the gym. Exactly. Or it's, like, it's like when you see those memes of it's got the Diaz brothers next to like two um, gym junkies and it's like, imagine telling your mate that these two guys on the left would beat the shit out of yeah. these two gym junkies. Yeah. yeah. Or even like I, I went past a court 
the other day and saw like a, I think he's a barrister wearing one of those wigs, just the way he was talking and walking. You could just tell he was like killing it. It's probably Gillies. Yeah, probably Gillies. But like for me, I couldn't care less about it. But if you're going down the path of pursuing, especially if you're new to physique-based goals, it's really easy to switch your hierarchy of success to that and then like become caught up in it and then start applying that lens to everyone else in your life and going, you know, this person, you know, no, I don't want to hang out with this person because this person likes to party or this person likes that. That was like when I started jujitsu, like I'd previously trained probably like three or four times a week at the gym. And then as soon as I switched to jujitsu, I realized I don't have enough time to do both, but Mm. now I care more about progressing in this martial art than I do about progressing physique wise at the gym. So immediately my value changes over to, um, you know, when, when am I going to get my next belt kind of thing rather than exactly. when am I going to get to a hundred squat kind of thing? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. you're, you're training at absolute, uh, yeah. yeah just start in the city. Um, and then we train today, but yeah, I realized I need a non-gym hobby. So which mm. is probably people find yeah, that. But do you consider jujitsu a non-gym yeah, hobby? Non-gym hobby, which is like, because the differences between like weightlifting in a weightlifting gym versus or resistance training, let's say versus like the, so training with jiu-jitsu, for example, is much higher social um, sport or mm. endeavor. And it's also a different environment. So for me, at least, it is completely, it couldn't be more separate. Mm. It's also more cardiovascular. You so you're not, you're not going to adjust your own training regimen because now you're training three, four times a week jiu-jitsu. Yeah, I'll train, I'm going to train one less day in the gym. But you're um, not going to adjust what workout you do in the gym to, to make your, I don't know, make your train like you're not going to do more bicep curls so you've got a tighter squeeze for example no no i won't yeah i won't get too sports specific for that just because i like training resistance training for muscle growth mm-hmm. which is hypertrophy um versus pursuing like high level because the technical um sort of like learning curve of jujitsu is going to be so high anyway it's probably not gonna but you've done it off and on over the years haven't you did a little bit with clay about two years ago for about a month but yeah, because that's even, the only jujitsu I've done. Because even when we were rolling this morning, uh, I just sort of you, your knowledge of position was there a lot better than someone who's just started for the first time. I think that was training at the start with Clay and all Clay's mates because they were all blue belts and purple belts. It was like a really fast learning curve. Mm. Um, yeah, so it felt it actually felt very like a lot comfortable. more comfortable this time around starting versus I remember when I first started started and it was like it's the worst I was tapping out because people were just like applying top pressure and I was like that's the worst feeling yeah, <laughs> yeah. or when someone does a knee ride like yeah, you yeah. belly and you tap to it's the worst and he's just like get off me yeah uh, so are they very focused on leg locks at absolute um uh I think more so in the St Kilda one um because that's obviously um not Craig Jones, uh, Lachlan Giles' gym, whereas Tiago, who coaches in the city, it I obviously know nothing, but it appears that it's less. So, and I think you also have more beginners in the city. Does Giles, Lachlan Giles own all the absolutes? No. So I think he's just a part. I actually don't know. but Head I, coach maybe. At, yeah. At the I think one. he partially owns the St Kilda one. I'm not sure. That's pretty cool though. You're training at probably one of the top five. Well, I guess – not the city one, but the St. Kilda absolutes probably mm. top five jujitsu gyms in the world. Yeah. I'd say. It's good to just, yeah, get out and like, 
it just even I found like even the trip to the gym and home from the gym through the city is relaxing in itself because mm. it's different. It's like, you know, yeah, it's just, it's much more of a different vibe to like driving to a gym and, mm. and just going into a gym training. So, mm. yeah. It's interesting now that Craig Jones, Gordon Ryan, uh, Nicky Rod and yeah. all that have, John Danner have all opened that gym in Puerto Rico. Yeah. And now it's just going to be the, that like. Have they moved there? Yeah, I think they've all moved there, and because I think you don't just pay federal income tax if you're at, if you're in Puerto Rico. Yeah, you saw on Instagram Gordon Ryan losing his shit over all the lockdown rules and stuff. So yeah, I think they were like, let's get out of New York and, and go train there. And but, just get jacked. Right, got to be. What have they there. called it? Huh? What have they called it? This Puerto Rican gym. Don't know actually. Let's look at yeah. the Danaher Death Squad Puerto Rico edition. I want to see the Gabby Garcia Craig Jones match. That was all. That was a hoax. Was it a hoax? Yeah. They're not actually doing it. Mate, it was the stupidest shit ever. I was... um, Because I watched like snippets of the press conference. I think it started as a joke and then people thought it was actually real. And then and then they ended up just doing like an arm wrestle at, at the press conference. And they're like, no, we're not doing it. It's like, it's fucking bullshit. It's like, why would you... Why would you hype it up? Uh, uh, what should I type in the name of uh, yeah. John Danaher, Puerto Rico, Jim? Hmm. Yeah, that's... I was actually excited to watch that. <laughs> yeah, I don't think they've given a name to it yet. Fuck, look at Danaher in the 90s. Um, Danaher. Schweiz. He's an interesting cat. He is. Genius, though. Bit of a weird unit. Yeah. Did you see when uh, Galvao and Gordon Ryan were going yeah. at it and he's just standing there super cool? Yeah. Like, cold-blooded just in between them as soon as anything was about to go down. It's ready. I'd be interested to see how he goes against um, how he he would go in a fight against like a top tier guy. Yeah, because he's obviously not physically there anymore because he's older. But well, like even watching those Abdul um, Namagomedov wrestling videos with like um, Islam and yeah, yeah, like where they where he actually like beats them on yeah, position. Yeah. You're like, oh, have you seen old man strength? Have you seen Chandler wrestling with Usman? Yeah, the flow Holy wrestling. That's sick. Shit. Do you reckon it's, it doesn't? Do you reckon that's flow though, or do you reckon? They're going hard. I reckon they're going like 90%. I, yeah. Because I, hang on, let's get it up. Chandler. That was so cool because they're just like rolling and. It's like the Matrix. Oh, was it this one? Have you not seen this one? No, I've seen a different one to this. This is the one I've seen. Do you reckon that's flow? I just reckon if you've got, it's hard to, that's when you're rolling with someone, it's hard to do a flow roll with someone if they've got an ego. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And, and not even like in a bad way. Just, but if you've got two guys who are champions rolling, it's very hard to tell them both to go 80% instead of 100%. Do you know what yeah. I mean? I would have no idea. Goes, uh... Do you think Chandler deserves a lightweight title shot? No. I think it should be He's a pretty emphatic, emphatic knockout. Yeah. I would still, I'd like to see Gagey versus Oliveira, Striper versus Gar- Grappler. Yeah, Oliveira. I'm glad they gave it to Oliveira though. Yeah. So, when's that? That's April 17 as well, um, isn't it? I'll look it up. Oliveira versus Chandler. It was, to, it was a weird to, call out from Chandler. How long until you get your purple belt? Oh, ages, I think. Um, I don't know. I got my blue a year and a half ago. Yeah. So... Um, May 15th 
Oliveira vs Chandler let's see who else is on the card purple seems like a massive jump massive yeah. jump from from blue mm. Jack Ray Souza vs Andre Muniz I don't know who that is Muniz neither Ferguson is fighting Darius that'd be a good fight uh, Barbosa fuck every card is whoa Jack Manson Joker mm. who, who? oh Shabazzaman he was who did he lose to Jack Hermanson because he was going to fight I remember he was Jared Cannonier was it yeah and then Cannonier fought Whitaker Whitaker yeah uh, uh, and Edmund lost against uh, Derek Brunson okay. who do you think is going to win out of Bobby Knuckles and Gaslam I reckon Bobby Knuckles I fucking you? love the guy Gaslam be hard to put away though yeah he'll be hard to put away but Mate, Whitaker's one of my top five favourite fighters ever. Ever. He's so good. Such a likeable personality. He's such a good representative of Australia on like the on the international. Yeah. And I like since like McGregor's fall against Khabib. Um, it's like the dawn of the humble fighters. Yeah, I, mate. It's like people are... It's, it's literally... Kind of losing to Khabib changed the game in yep. that sense. Yeah. It, it was the big lesson that that's not how you carry yourself. Yeah. And then Colby lost to Usman. Fuck, that was such a good fight, Usman and yeah. Colby. Yeah. That was fight of the year, I reckon. That was. That was what was fight of the year last year? And then... 2019 UFC fight of the year. Garnu losing to Stipe. That was another one. Another was, example. Like, they, they lost. But it had worked so long for Connor. Yeah. And, and I mean, like, what else was he going to do? If he'd been respectful, it would have been weird. Yeah, there would have been, like, force. Even, like, the uh, last fight was with Boyer. Yeah. That, I found that kind of cringe though. That was too. It's too they much. were too nice to each other. Yeah. Like com- complimenting his hot sauce and stuff. Yeah. Like at the weigh-in. It's yeah. Like, hey, you're about to try to kill each other. Bring back bad man. Yeah. Um, Adesanya vs. Gaslam got fight of the year in 2019. Oh, that was so good. Yeah. 2020 fight. You ever see fight of the year? Oh, Zhang Wei Li and Yohan Chen. Oh, yeah. That yeah. was war. Mm. So how do you reckon you went this morning at um, Carlson's? Good. I'm sore. Sore though. Sore joints? Yeah. Sore. Actually, probably was sore last night from Nogi. Um, yeah, good. I like it. I'm going to definitely do more gi classes. Yeah. Nogi, I reckon your Nogi does make you sore at the joints because it takes more effort to hold the person down. Yeah, and there's a lot more scrambling. Yeah. It, or at least feels like it. But I'm definitely going to get another gi. I'm definitely going to. Go regularly, that's yeah. for sure. Like it's in, it's in now, it's locked in. Yeah. Like it won't stop now because I've yeah. got over that initial, the hardest one's just initially going. Now you'll feel comfortable going to either, either gym exactly, or Exactly, yeah. Mm. Yeah. Oh, that's good. All right, mate, let's, uh, let's wrap it up. Have a few beers. Yeah, have a beer with your fellow.